they take everything from you. I mean, I didn't even dream for three months when I got there. So I'm pretty sure they took my dreams too. I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, now looking back at it, I did that. I put my own dreams on pause. Did you know 90% of women prior to incarceration has suffered from sexual and emotional trauma? And 70% of incarcerated women are mothers. The majority of the women returning home will not be able to retain employment with family sustainable income. Fit to Navigate provides hope and well-being. Learn more at fittonavigate.com. What's up? It's Rocky. And we'd like to welcome back all our mind-body tumors. We recognize it's been a while and we're super excited to bring about our season three. Season three, we're going to talk about the community and how it affects women that have been formerly incarcerated or who are now out and trying to get back on their feet. We're excited to have some great guests this season, and we look forward to spreading more and telling the story of how people overcome. You know, the whole thing is you get your mind right, your body will follow, and you become that gem that you are designed and destined to be. No more of this attention destiny disorder. We are well on our way and looking forward to our season three. What's up, what's up, world? I am with Jessica Check. I mean, Jessica Burke now. And she's like uh, married and doing her thing. And I can't wait to catch up with you and see how you're doing. I met you about two and a half years ago. And um, you looked at me with those blue eyes and was like, um, are you serious about helping people out? When? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, because I really want to do this thing. And I saw it in your eyes. So, you know. Today, I just want you to tell a little bit about your story, like how we met, where we met. I'll let you tell that part and um, where you are now. Just a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I looked at you and said that because I was serious for the first time in my life. So I had to only, I had to make sure everybody else I was dealing with was serious too. So yes, we met at the Ohio Reformatory for Women, which is a state penitentiary. So I was there for two years. It was my second time being there. The first time it was about three months and apparently that didn't stick. So I had to mess up, you know, one more time, kind of pull the arrow back to get me to launch forward. So, you know, it was a long road, 10 plus years of, you know, using and bad relationships and bad choices. And who really ever gets to the root of like, why did I do these things? I think for me, at the end of the day, it was not having any love and respect for myself. And, you know, it's again, like who gets to where, like, how did that happen? I don't really know, but I, I am an addict. I'm a recovering addict. I'm doing very well. I did the meeting thing for a while once I came home, but now I've, you know, I have my husband, I have a good support system and I have my fitness. Right. So the way that I met you, it was my second time being there. And I knew I had to do something different. I didn't want to keep repeating that, you know, and it it was embarrassing to go back there and see people that are still there from the last time. And the people who really cared about you were the ones that looked at you with grave disappointment. You know, I've, I've always been told to follow the people that you want to be like. And I met these women, they were 
instructors in, you know, our gym. And by that, I just mean a big empty building (laughs) with some old raggedy bleachers in it. But that was our gym and we loved it. I started going to classes. I did that the first time I met all these women then, but I never, I didn't actually like integrate myself into what they were doing. And I realized that the time span from me going home the first time and coming back, I became a lot more interested in fitness and I didn't really know where that was going to take me. But when I got there and I took a class, you know, we did a lot of group fitness and it was good for like anxiety. It was good for, you know, everybody that was kind of like trying to get their mind and their body right after damaging it for so long with, you know, Mm -hmm. chemicals or poisonous relationships or whatever it was that, that we were involved in on the outside or what we called it in there, we'd said on the outs. So whatever on the outs we were dealing with, we only brought us with us in there. I mean, literally they take everything from you. I mean, I didn't even dream for three months when I got there. So I'm pretty sure they took my dreams too. I'm not sure, but. Wow, they stole your dreams. (laughs) Stole my dream, yeah. But at the end of the day, now looking back at it, I did that. I put my own dreams on pause. And honestly, I didn't even know what those dreams were, but I saw those girls again. And like I said, I went to a class um, and I remember looking in the instructor's eyes and saying, I'm going to get like you. And, you know, instead of the answer that I thought I was going to get, which I just, I don't know, I guess I assumed because they were fit and they were healthy that they were arrogant. You know, I didn't have any gym experience and I always looked at athletic people and thought, man, you know, I'll, I'll just never be that great for them. But she looked at me and she said, yeah, you are. That's you awesome. Are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and, and to this day, that girl who we call Nilla and she's dear to my heart, she's mm-hmm. home and we stay in touch. We stay in communication. We live in different cities, so it's from afar, but, um, her, and there were four or five other women that I just really, I was like, look what they're doing, you know, and, and they were serving astronomical amounts of time mm-hmm. compared to what I was there for. Mm-hmm. You know, I had some theft charges from 2011 now. I mean, we're looking at it's 10 years ago, but I was like, Meek Mill, I was stuck in the system. Yeah. You know, they just weren't letting me go, but I wasn't allowing that to happen either. So, but I'm looking at these. You feel like they affected like your mentality on that, that that they kind of had it, not almost like brainwash you, but you just kind of felt just because they say I'm not, that's, I mean, that's what I'm going to be, or that's how I'm going to do this thing. Absolutely. I recall multiple conversations, you know, with my adult babysitters and whatever it was, law enforcement or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they would say to you, what's the most important thing to you? And of course I'm a mom at this point. So I'm like, my kids are the most important thing. And their response is no, it's not. And although if you look at the big picture, I was putting a lot of things before my children, but I was also putting a lot of things before myself. Mm. And to hear it in that manner, like that wasn't constructive. That wasn't rehabilitating. That wasn't positive. That wasn't helping me go into any direction other than down a little bit further. A little bit. And so, it was really antagonistic in the sense. Absolutely. I mean, and that, that weight just continued to get heavier and heavier through dealing with the prison system and COs and, you know, very few people actually look at you and think, oh, that's a human just right. like me. You know, and everyone is one bad decision away from being in that same blue outfit that I was in. And I understand that now. 100%. Um, 100%. 
one, one bad decision, split seconds can put you there. So after getting to know some of these women who, again, like I said, astronomical amounts of time, most of them were actually serving so many years to life. life and so they're doing life sentences, but yet they're getting their butts up every single day. And they're working a job that pays $18 a month. And they're doing what, you know, whatever they need to do to, to make sure that they're following, you know, orders all day long. And then they go into this gym and they give back right. and give back and give back when they really, what do they have to even give? Right. And to see the hope that they had still, the positivity, how, you know, so they were approachable. Someone could talk to them and they would give them advice about whether it was fitness or, or something else, you know, they had been there for a long time. So a lot of people needed them, but just watching them, I, more and more, I, I realized like inmate or not, these women are phenomenal and I want to be one of them. So I followed them around like a stupid person. If they were running, I was running. If they were, were only eating vegetables for six weeks, bet, give me that broccoli. I mean, just whatever they were doing, because I knew, you know, show me who your friends are, tell you what your future is. Yeah. Um, I had to surround myself with these positive people that were, they're literally doing life, but they're living life. Mm. That's perfect. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's like you think of prison as this horrible, terrible, dirty, disgusting, awful place. And truly it is, but it's nothing but a small village of broken people. You know, whether they're broken because they choose to be that way, some never want to be any different, you know, but yeah. the majority of women that are there, you know, their chins are stuck to their chest because mm -hmm. they're so ashamed of where they've been. I can speak for myself. Like I said, the first three months I was there, I didn't dream. I kept my head down everywhere I went. I didn't know how to be proud of myself. I didn't look in the mirror for at least the first probably 45 days. Oof. I couldn't stand a, I couldn't stand the look of my face without any kind of cosmetics <laughs> because right. I'm, a, I'm a Tom girl. I'll put <laughs> my makeup on and then go get dirty. But I just wasn't familiar with seeing myself. You talk about naked and afraid. That's what it is. That's what I was. I'm looking at this face. Like, how could you do this to me? I didn't want to see that. So I literally didn't look in the mirror, wow. um, but so I gained so much confidence through going to this gym, mm -hmm. pushing myself, challenging myself, learning, never, never stopping. It was just a constant thing. And, you know, I went from taking classes seven days a week to teaching classes seven days yeah. a week. And for the short time that I was there, that was unheard of. You know, when someone was kind of like, I guess we could say like promoted or given the position as being an instructor in that gym, you were doing time because right. they don't want to deal with someone coming in and maybe not respecting. Yes, baby. That's beautiful. She has MC Hammer with a, a riding helmet on. So I'm going to show you that. That is adorable. <laughs> That's what she's playing with right now. All right. The baby girl so, just had a birthday. She did. She's the big five. And she's, right. she's the big five. Oh, she's running everything right now. So through the challenges of how many push-ups I'm doing that day or, you know, whatever it was physically, it was like it gave me empowerment if I can sit in yoga class in an uncomfortable position and just sit through it mm -hmm. and really like feel all the things that are happening in my mind and my body for, you know, however long it is, maybe it's two minutes. Imagine how I could 
sit through uncomfortable situations or uncomfortable things I'm dealing with and challenges in my life on the outside of those gates. So I would never have thought that way if it weren't for those women. If I had never, you know, met them and took their guidance and took their advice. Yeah. Um, And I, I, and for till the day I left, I continued to follow them around and um, there was a trainer coming into the gym and she was going to teach us to be like real trainers. (laughs) Well, again, with my amount of time, it was a short amount of time I was going to do in comparison. So, you know, the, the group of people who were chosen to go into this and learn to be trainers and, you know, eventually actually get certified. It was, it was pretty small. So, you know, that was thought of as a privilege, obviously. So I stood outside the door and Rocky, that trainer was you. I stood outside the door of that gym, every class that they went in, I would, Mm -hmm. I would watch them go in and I would sit there and I would wait. And the minute they came out, I asked every single one of them as they, okay, what'd you learn? What, what stuck out the most? What'd you, you know, what'd you talk about today? I mean, I was just, people probably thought I was like obsessive, but what it was is I needed something to help me grow. Like I needed something to, to challenge me and push me. And you, you really do block out a lot of things when you're doing time like that. You're isolated in a two man cell. There's a toilet next to your head. You learn to like put your blinders on and just block things out. And through my fitness journey, I was made to be aware. I had to be aware of my form and what my body was doing and how I was thinking and feeling and of my own soreness and my exhaustion. It was just, I was made to be aware of myself and it made me appreciate the fact that I still had two arms and two legs. Oh, wow. And I didn't want to mess that up, you know? super powerful. What I saw in you was definitely a go-getter. And just hearing you tell your story, like one, you say, you started surrounding yourself with people you wanted to be like, you know what I mean? The things you want to do. Two, you didn't have a problem with standing there waiting outside the door to ask them questions. Like you had set all ego aside. You were just like, yo, I see this being a benefit to change me around. And you didn't have no qualms or no ego about doing what you needed to do. You went to the person, also gave them a compliment and said, I want to be just like you. The response was amazing what you got. Then you turned around, stood outside the door, even though you weren't inside <laughs> the club yet, but you got in right. the club. You were asking you can't questions. get in. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was me. That was me. That was that, I mean, that's pretty awesome because in life, when you want something, that's what you, you that, what you have to do. And you have to set that aside. What I love is when you got out and you took those same things. Right. I was, I was really just thinking that the, the way you yes, describe that. You're right. And applied the same thing. Now, in all in full transparency, you didn't even get a chance to get certified when you were inside because you got out. No, I did not. I did not. Well, and and we were working on getting funding. And you know, Rocky, you yeah. were literally like this angel that swooped in. And the thing is, you you humanized us you empathize with the ways we felt about things. And, you know, all you wanted to do was just give some love and like, just help us feel better, do better, be better, you know, and you did that. And so trying to get that funding together and all that, I knew that, you know, I was, I was really low on the totem pole. As far as, you know, <laughs> once that money did come in, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, but I also knew that, you know, these women need that opportunity and, you know, don't get me wrong. I would, you know, had a little, burr up my butt about it at first, you Mm -hmm. know, just internally, but I had to process those feelings. And 
at the end of the day, I was going to be able to walk out of those gates without having to see a parole board in 25 years. So for me to try to take that opportunity from these women that have given me so much, like that's crazy. So I did learn patience with that, but I still studied. I still took the quizzes. I still did everything they were doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, we made copies of this book, you know, that (laughs) ISSA book. Like you were, I mean... Yeah. I worked in the um, the dish room for a while with one of the other girls, Erica, and her and I would literally, you know, we'd be like slinging trays and doing what we were doing and then, you know, dropping down and doing pushups. But really it's because there was a book underneath the counter and we were reading. Oh, you know, wow. Wow. We were doing the pushups because <laughs> it was like you had to pack in the things that you wanted with the responsibilities that you had because there's a lot on your shoulders, you know, and you you have to do the things that you have to do. Otherwise you're going to be in trouble. And I know that sounds funny, like, oh, being in trouble in prison, but you're just making your life harder if you yeah. don't do do what they're asking of you. And sometimes those things were really off the wall. But the point was we, us as a group, us women, we empowered each other. We yeah. pointed out each other's strengths and you know helped each other with the weaknesses. And never yeah. did I feel like I was an outsider, even though I was outside. Yeah. Well, that means you, that's, it's just wild to hear that. Like you was doing pushups just so you can read, you know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Right. Yep. And, um, so when I, when I came home, you know, I, I chose to go to like, it was kind of like a sober house and, you know, basically somewhere where I had an itinerary, I had to, to state where I was going. It was very structured. It was literally like living life out here exactly how I was living it in there, but only the good parts. So taking that structure, you know, having a curfew, knowing that, you know, when I leave the house, I have a plan. Mm -hmm. Those things first and foremost helped. It opened up time and blocks of time where I was able to apply the things that I was learning from behind those gates. And I was home for about a week and a half. I contacted you. I came, I got to step in. I had never been in a real gym before. I mean, my mom had a treadmill that we used to dry our clothes with when we were kids, <laughs> hang up our clothes on and maybe make stupid videos. Like my brother's throwing the cat against the wall. That was terrible, but they did stuff like that. They're boys. Hey, so. isn't that what you see? A lot of the videos? Well, yeah, exactly. But treadmill's I mean, a that, drying equipment. <laughs> that's what it was. But it was, I didn't appreciate that piece of equipment. I didn't know what it could do to change my life. And then, you know, coming into your studio and seeing all this stuff that all I saw this was in magazines and in books, because literally I've never been, yes, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my uncle johnny um yes uncle johnny that's who did that Uh oh i'm telling stories she's gonna go back and tell him oh, so good. but speaking of the uncle johnny this is my brother who happens to be 10 years younger than me and we mm-hmm. you know i i was like a motherly figure to him you okay. know plus the big sister because my parents worked crazy schedules they were like 3 to 11 the other one worked at three in the morning oh, wow. um at UPS. So it was, they worked crazy schedules. I was there for my brothers sometimes more than they were. And we were really, really close. So that 10 years apart, who was there at that courthouse the day that I got to walk outside? And do you know what we did? We walked right across the street into a gym. (laughs) So that was my first experience of actually being inside of like a legitimate gym. I mean, you know, I, I was kind of lost. I was really just trying to like let it sink in that I wasn't, you know, there anymore. Um, But when I came to see you, it had been about a week and a half. I took the bus there. I was on foot. 
everywhere I went. And, you know, I was actually proud of that, that I learned how to ride a bus because Mm -hmm. where I come from, we didn't have buses. You had a thumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, and you were scared, but you did it anyways, cause you don't want to walk. So coming into your studio and seeing like an actual, like intimate studio environment and like really being able to, you know, soak it all in and process it. There was nobody else in there, but us, um, and you had a client. So I was like really able to see mm-hmm. a real certified trainer yeah. training a client and a trainer who, you know, who I still to this day consider a mentor. So I'm watching every move. I'm watching everything. And I'm like, I need, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I was getting in all the programs I could, getting all the help I could from the community. I went to a re-entry program. We did classes, lengthy classes, hours and hours a week. We did these classes and I'm standing outside waiting to go in one day. And I looked across the street and what was it? It was a gym. Mm -hmm. And I was so intimidated the second I saw it. And why would that intimidate you? It's just a building. It's over there. But it intimidated me because I wanted that so bad. So uncertified, wow. not prepared, not ready, not in interview attire. I said, screw it. And I walked myself across that street. I walked in there with a the guy at the counter and I asked for the hiring manager. And he said that was him. And my first words were, hi, my name is Jessica. I will bring my toothbrush in and scrub the floors if I have to, but I want to work for you. I want to teach classes. I want to learn what it takes to run a gym. I want to know about it. So whether you can pay me or not, I'll volunteer. I just want to be here. And he was just like, whoa, whoa, slow down, slow down. So (laughs) that's me. I have two speeds fast. No, three speeds. My husband says this. I have three speeds fast, faster, and sleep. So of course I'm on my faster at that point. Yeah. He sits me down and, you know, kind of talks me through the process, which he was interviewing me. I didn't know that at the time, but he directed me to the group fitness who ran the group fitness department. And, you know, there were multiple gyms. So she was at another location. I went and met her and this is how the higher power works. I sat down at that table and I like pretty much almost, almost immediately into our conversation as I'm introducing myself to her, I had to tell her where I came from. I mean, you can still smell the prison on me. I'm right out the gate. And at this point, I think I have it like tattooed on my forehead. So I'm not going to take any chances of, right. you know, seeming like a person that's trying to hide something. So I told her immediately, do you know, she did prison ministry work. Like it was like 10 years ago at this point. But the fact that she like that right there, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be here right now because she, you know, has a level of understanding for where I've been. So by the end of my interview, she mm-hmm. was in tears and I got a job. Wow. So I was just a part-time salesperson at the desk. I know it, it gives me goosebumps. And you know what? That part-time sales position, because of my dedication and my willingness to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, I was the general manager in four months. Mm. Mm. So Mm, you know, talk about elevation. That, talk about that, elevation. Yes, that ladder was there, and I was like, "I'm climbing it. I'm climbing it." So, that was my experience getting into the fitness industry and and you know being someone's boss again because I have management experience prior to that, but I still wasn't certified. So, I I needed some type of legitimate certification. So, I went to the reentry program that I was going to and requested a little bit of money from them so I could take an online certification and, you know, get my CPR and all of that. And they were 
absolutely bet. Let, let me get you a check right. because they knew I was going to do something with that. So to them, I was going to be a success story. And they really felt like, you know, we need this because we need to share this, not with the world so that the government gives us more funding. Yeah. We need to share this with the inmates that are still on the outside. Absolutely. So, so let me can I we, pause you right there. Pause absolutely. Me. A year later, I went to that same building and mentioned your name and told them about what you're going to tell the rest of the world where you're at now. They were like, we need to find her. She's amazing. That's amazing. And, and they did find me. Okay. Okay. Did. okay. Okay. So go they ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working my butt off. I was working a lot of hours, you know, managers do. And, but I, I, literally never woke up and went to work and said, Oh my gosh, like I got it. It's a Monday or, you know, I, I just was truly honestly happy and I felt accomplished. I felt challenged. And then finally it was that time when mm-hmm. Rocky came to me, I was up, it was my <laughs> turn. And I mean, I'm pretty sure like I probably cried for like an hour, just, just out of pure gratefulness, gratitude for, you know, I waited this long and it's paying off to me. And to the point where I I had managed, I put so many hours in, I was looking for my next challenge. Mm -hmm. And I actually took a step down at the gym. I was still the manager, but I I worked a very, um, not necessarily a part-time schedule, but a a shortened hours compared to what I was working because my owners, they, you know, the owners of the gym, they were supporting me on that too. They're like, yes, be the manager, do what you do, Mm -hmm. but take this time out to further your education. And, you know, so it took me about four months to ace that test, but I did. Hey, I told you when your number was up, I was going to let you know, we was going to get you certified. And, you know, before I got that certification, a way that you obtained some of that funding was an accelerator program. Um, if you don't mind me talking about that. So you had to pitch your, your plan and your idea that you had worked so hard on to the public, which I'm sure for you, you went in there so calm, cool and collected, but I'm sure on the inside, you were thinking this Absolutely. is bigger than me. Like this is. is so much bigger than me. And, you know, for a moment you had walked away from the table and a Segadesh was next to me. And there was a, a man, big, tall, I mean, like six foot something, big, mm-hmm. tall, white man in a suit, you know, real conservative. And he came up to, to that table. And his question was, after he learned what we were doing with Fit to Navigate, um, his question was, how do you know what it's like? And and you and you and a second us are standing there. And like, I literally stuck my hand out and shook his hand and said, hi. My name is Jessica and I'm a formerly incarcerated individual. Um, I was there. I did this program there. And the look on his face, he he swallowed his own stomach. Like the look on his, he was in disbelief. And at the end of the day, what we're looking for is for the community to see that. Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't look like, you don't have a teardrop tattooed on your face. Or, you know, you don't, you're not out here trying, like, we right. need to humanize, yeah. you know, decriminalize yeah. these, what we call criminals, because yeah. at the end of the day, 95% of the women that I was incarcerated with are there because they're addicts, mm-hmm. because they have addictive personalities. Mm-hmm. They were in there because of drugs and al- alcohol, or they were in there for theft or trafficking or whatever it was all for the drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, it, it, it all kind of boils down to the same thing and humanizing us. And I'm going to include myself. Yeah. I remember that moment. And cause he was asking us, how are we credentialed to do such a thing? You know, blah, 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 blah. How do you know? And you stuck that hand out there and introduced yourself and it shut him all the way. way I know. And, and it really just, it made me so proud to be the, the, be a person representing Mm -hmm. and for me to be in the place to do that. Because Mm -hmm. in my mind, my girls Mm -hmm. that are still behind those gates, they were right next to me. Absolutely. They were right next to me. And fortunately, I've actually been able to have some of them right next to me. And this is this is how that higher power works again. I had that management position in in this gym. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I was the one hiring instructors. I was bringing people in to teach classes, pop-up yoga conventions and whatever I could come up with mm-hmm. to, you know, bring bring in more people and more members of the gym. So I had the the girl that I was the, the woman, the amazing woman that I was the closest with um, there. Her name's Stephanie. Mm-hmm. She was one of those women doing an astronomical amount of time. And luckily I was able to connect with her when she was right at the tail end of it. She was granted um, parole. And after 22 years, she was mm-hmm. able to come home and... <laughs> right there she she was able to come teach her first yoga class we also my gym that was awesome I mean just I can't even tell you the the light that was shining the fire that was shining inside me when that when I was able to give that to her Mm. and you really should have seen it the whole place was full there was people down dogging on top of each other. I mean, they were everywhere. I saw the so photo. She packed it out. Y'all packed she it packed out. It. We did. And I mean, we only had a couple of days to really like promote it. So it was phenomenal. And some of the women that were involved in the reentry program mm-hmm. as participants, they came. Some of the women who were actually the case managers and licensed social workers and, you know, they came wow. and they supported her. And it was, you know, she did this thing for quite a few days in a row. We had some really awesome workshops and it was just so I could see it inside of her it was just so empowering for her to be able to do that you know fresh out of being home she wasn't home for very long so her among multiple other women who have come home I've been able to stand next to them or or have them come teach in the gym but it was my time yeah just like okay now there's another another gym you just dropped not only did you get out and go get it and use those skills but then you reach back and pull some people up. But what's amazing though, Jessica, is that you didn't stop climbing just because you thought you felt like you were in a position. Let's talk about the seven interviews you had to go through. So after I I spent that four months inside my ISSA book, I think I still have some on me somewhere. I was in that book and took that test and passed it and really had that certification in my hand. Mm. I was like, okay, what, where am I going to go next? Mm. So again, that energy, that vibe, that higher power, I was reached out to um, by a gentleman who happened to be a personal training manager at a much larger, much more prestigious fitness center. And at the time that he reached out to me, he only knew who I was because of my awesome posts that I was, you know, posting on Instagram about 
all my, all my clients, my classes, I was recording things, doing things, you know, just really getting it out there. Like this was, I was in an all female gym, which how Mm -hmm. perfect was that coming from a female institution and then being able to transition into that. But I knew it was time. I wanted to be, I wanted to be able to train youth and, you know, I wanted to be able to train males and females, athletes Mm -hmm. and moms. And like, I wanted to, you know, get myself in there. So when he reached out to me originally, I wasn't certified yet mm-hmm. through ISSA. So I went and met with him at his location. I was able to see this big, gigantic, amazing, you know, facility. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, holy crap, I do not fit in here. Like, how am I ever going to be able to do this? And those doubts kept like running through my mind. And just, I am my, my own worst enemy when it comes mm-hmm. to that, that self-doubt, that so overcome. once I, once I had that paper in my hand that said, girl, you did that. Yeah, like, you did that. So that was my cue. And I didn't even have to call him. He saw the post of me saying I got my ISSA and he immediately called me. He brought me in. So I had already had interview one. Mm-hmm. He'd gotten to know me. He brought me in to meet all of the, the management team from all of the different locations. They just happened to be having like an event. So I got, I, I basically got grilled and interviewed through that. And they told me about the whole process of hiring and all that. Um, I came back in to the facility that I would be interviewing for. I interviewed with that manager. So now we're talking about like, this is like, I've been there so many times at this point. Then the next interview, they sat me at a round table with all of the other personal trainers who had tenure there. Mm-hmm. And they, every single one of them had to ask me a question. And some of those questions were fitness related. and. One was, you know, if it was your last day on earth, what meal would you eat? Mm. You know, because when we're into fitness, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're structured and you're doing this and that. So mm-hmm. like, it, it, that was interesting that he asked that, but I had to sell them a pen. He handed me a pen. He said, sell this to me because yeah. at the end of the day, fitness, it, it starts intrinsically. It starts inside of us, but you have mm-hmm. to, you have to get people to understand and believe that passion that you have and giving that to them gives them the opportunity to be the better, better version of themselves. So you do have to be personable and you have to have those, you know, values and and sales knowledge about yourself. You have to know what you're doing. You got to be confident. So I sold in that pen. And then on the first workout that I was able to conduct with the PT team, Mm -hmm. after I was hired, (laughs) I I made them, plank across the entire studio and blow that blue Bic pen that they made me sell. I made them all blow one from one side of the room to the other. And I said, that's the last time you're going to ask me to sell you a pen. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, meeting, meeting all of them was super intimidating. I mean, I'm looking at them like they've all got college backgrounds, you know, and I still, I went home and I was like, no, you have gone way too far. So I made those phone calls. They weren't calling me back. I made those phone calls. I kicked that door down until I eventually made my way up to the GM and I had to sit in her office and explain my, I mean, I I don't know if you've ever read like a a Harry Potter book or seen how big the Bible is, Yeah, 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 yeah. but that was the background check that she got back. Mm. on me everywhere I've ever lived. I'm surprised my blood type wasn't in there, but oh, maybe it was, I don't know. <laughs> but I had to explain like where I went, mm-hmm. where I was, you know, what got me there. I had to, I had to give her me yes. and she saw something in me just like you did. Mm. 
and just like, you know, these, the, the people in these programs that I completed, just, they saw something in me and they wanted to take that chance. And it still took six weeks for me to move through the motions with HR, but mm-hmm. I landed that job yes, and I walked in with imposter syndrome. Like mm-hmm. I was terrified and it's so funny to think about looking back on that now because I've been there for over a year and mm-hmm. everyone on that second floor knows who Jess Dewitt is. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Um, and now because that you've been trainer of the trainer of the month <laughs> several times. Um, yeah, most valuable trainer. Yes. I have a, I have little glass awards. I've never had those before. It's pretty amazing. Um, yes, I, I did actually. I was, it was my third month there awesome. and I got that coach's award, most valuable trainer. So that was, I mean, my tires are just constantly getting pumped, but it's not happening because, because I'm not working for it because I am working for it. And, and because of the hard work and dedication and, you know, really just relentlessness that I had with trying to gain clients and really pushing myself out of my comfort zone to talk to people and, you know, get, get myself out there because people have to know you to want to be trained by you. And you have to have a connection with that person. You wouldn't go get your hair done no. by someone you didn't like right exactly not gonna that's, why go. we, that's why we like to say relationships are your true currency because it really is. It is keep keep the personal in personal training right. I learned that from you 100 100 <laughs> and also what I learned from you saying laser focus you know not not letting those like you don't have to have blinders on but you don't have to let those you know barriers stop you yes baby after mommy's done right here you sure can okay can you watch your show just for a little bit? Let's talk about that a little bit. All Let's right. talk about family. I mean, not only did you have like the wherewithal yeah. to just like go get it, but you also came home and got married, got kids. Like, I mean, a support system. She's right here. Your little one, your little little mini me is right behind. Mama, and she is my mini me. She, she is, is my little clone. Um. um here, you weren't married before you went in. No, I wasn't. Um, when I came home, I reached out to a good friend who, you know, kept in contact with me at arm's length. Um, okay. He didn't, live the, he didn't live the kind of life that I lived, but he, he kept in contact me contact with me through emails while I was gone, you know, just kind of checking on me and giving me a little um, excitement of what's happening on the outside of these gates. So he, he was really great to me. Um, but when I came home, I waited until I was ready to, to really like talk to other people, you know, that, that weren't in my position, I guess, because right. I'm in this house with a bunch of women who we've all been incarcerated. We know, we know what each other's been through. So reaching out to him, it was like, okay, I'm ready to, you know, start to feel like a, a normal person again. And I hate that term normal person. No, I but I you saying that right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. and like do things like go get coffee and go, you know, so um, one of the one of the females I was in that house with, um, Keisha, she actually is an author. She's published multiple books and she does theater and plays. She was putting on an event and she sold me some tickets to that. I got two tickets. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, you know, I, I got these couple of tickets. You think you want to come? So we went to this. It was like a spoken word. It was a lot of um, entertainment, you know, dancing and different stuff. But that was the first time I had seen him in years because. I didn't see him for a while before I got locked up and then obviously I was gone. So we really caught up, just talked about life. And, you know, I honestly never expected what I have now, but he was 
I told myself I wasn't going to get into a relationship uh, for a while. And I didn't, I had some pushback on that, even Mm -hmm. though I knew that I was falling in love with this man and there wasn't anything that could tell me to stay away from him. I mean, he was supportive of all my goals. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he pushed me when I wasn't even, I didn't even know I was slowing down. You know, he would point those things out and he would help me. And I, I did the same for him. I've watched him go from a position to a mentor to now a supervisor. And now he is a, licensed social work um, he has a master's in social work all right on his way he just graduated from the ohio state university i have to say it like that the ohio state yeah, university yeah yeah um, you're a uk fan huh? i am i am well you can see my house right here yeah I got, I, we got but we got both of them rocking yeah, there, yeah. so when i tell people i have fat heads on the wall in my living room they're like what did you let your husband do that no i did that <laughs> so um we had a lot in common as far as he had a rough, a rough journey too, in a completely different manner. You know, it had nothing to do with being incarcerated, but we were able to connect on this level to where, you know, it's like, I can't be in a relationship, but this is not, this is more than a relationship. Mm -hmm. This is someone who's an addition to my life and to who I am. So, you know, once I realized that I, I held on and I didn't let go. And that man proposed to me in December um, of 18. I came home in January, he proposed to me in December. So for all those things to happen in that first year, it was a lot, you know, I was able to learn how to, you know, transition with change and Mm -hmm. feel confident again and not be afraid of men. Mm. Because Uh after being in abusive relationship after abusive relationship, mentally and physically, and mm-hmm. then going into that institution and constantly being just beat down. I mean, the, the women CEOs would do it too, but the men were a lot worse. Okay. You know, they'd say, Hey, come here. And you'd stop in the middle of the hallway. They'd give you a, a written reprimand because you were standing somewhere you weren't supposed to stand. I mean, they just would mess with you and they, they would do it to play mind games to make you feel so much less than what they are. But so that I, I wasn't afraid anymore. Wow. So I was able to walk into that gym that wasn't just full of women. Mm-hmm. And it took me a couple of weeks to kind of gravitate towards that, you know, mm-hmm. that other side. But mm-hmm. now all those guys that intimidated me in the beginning, like I'm like their little sister or their buddy or their, you yeah. know, every morning, Jess, what's up? You know, we're, yeah. we're, they, we pump each other up every single day. Uh-huh. You know, we push each other and I get my client base mm-hmm. based on other people's perception of me. Mm-hmm. And because I've created that perception to be real and genuine and consistent, you know, I, I um, interviewed a client today. The best business. I did what we call an onboarding session to, with a new member today. She was brand new. She's never been in the gym before, you know, so I sat with her and talked about her goals and what she needs to do to get there. And the last thing she said, she didn't say this in the beginning of our session. The last thing she said, she said, you know what? I I am going to stick with you because from what I hear, you're the best. Oh. And I was just like, you're the best. I almost couldn't even get the word thank you out of my mouth because I like that just takes my, you know, it just mm-hmm. takes my breath away. It takes the weight off of my heart mm-hmm. from all of the, the negative that mm-hmm. I tell myself oh. all the time. Yeah. It helps me, you know, have that self-gratitude and that self-love. So it was also a long journey um, of court proceedings to have this baby girl uh, back in into my life as her custodial parent. So 
that was a long process too. And unfortunately, I I have three other children. One of them, I do get to see her, um, not as much as I would like, but she's learned now how to use FaceTime. So that's interesting. Um, <laughs> and it's great when she's like, mommy, be a cat. Okay. Now we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Can we talk about something while we're being cats? You know? Yeah. She's awesome. eight. So, okay. um, but unfortunately my, my two oldest boys, Parker and Preston, I have yet to be able to see them, speak to them, have any kind of contact with them. And I really feel like I just have been waiting for that moment when I, I know in my soul, in the depths of my soul, like it's time. Mm-hmm. And I actually just said that to my husband, like a week ago, I was like, I'm ready. It's time. Awesome. I, I got that fire inside me is burning brighter than the fire around me. And I'm ready to do this. Well, it's nothing so, we know of you decided and that fire is inside you from based upon <laughs> the story is going to happen. We're going to burn it down. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm not sure what that process is going to look like, but Rocky, it's been over four years. Okay. Those boys are not babies anymore. And fear is, you know, one of the things that's held me back from walking in, you know, it's it's a different County than I live in. It's going to be a long court process. going to probably cost me money that I don't have, but this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. Yeah. The means will be there. Absolutely when it's time for it to happen. So fire and faith, girl, you know, it's going to happen. Yes. So I've kept a journal and I originally started this to, to kind of like document my own progress Mm -hmm. with, you know, becoming a fitness professional certified, you know, and, and then, you know, holding a position at such a a well-respected fitness club and being literally, let me tell you this. I teach a a 6am class. I coach a class at 6am. That general manager yeah. that's been in the industry for 31 years owned her own studio just like mm-hmm. you at one time. And now she's the HBIC of this mansion that right. we call a gym that I work in. She is my client. Wow. I coach her. I coach a couple ex-basketball players, like former, you know, players yeah. at Bucknell at Ohio State. I mean, I'm coaching these people that I idolize. I love it. You know, and so it pushes me to like, all right, Jess, you got to up your game. You got to, you know, do, do the research, build these programs, Mm -hmm. make it something that's going to work, get them results, you know, and, and all the while insert your personality because that's the biggest thing I have. Absolutely. You do. So that, that is a great, loving, beautiful personality. And thank you very much. No, we're waiting on that book, that journal. I'm sure. Oh my gosh. So, so that journal has actually become a journal to my boys, to my children. So it, you know, it really, it does, it, it documents, you know, my progress and my feelings and like how, just how all this, all this has gone over the last couple of years being, you know, being free. And, but I realized like I was talking to them the whole time. I love it. I love it. Well, if you wish to leave us with anything, because I know you got to get back to your family. What would you leave us with, you know? I would leave you with this. Um, Life is painful. Fitness (laughs) is painful. What we do in that gym, that shit hurts. (laughs) It does. It's painful. You know, losing things is painful. Gaining things is painful. Life is painful. But pain without passion, Mm. it's just punishment. Mm. And we're punished all day, every day, just because we're humans or because we're women, or because we're black, white, yellow, or purple, Mm -hmm. we're punished. So you've got to take that pain, 
find your passion and turn that punishment into a privilege and know that you're out here walking around making your own choices. Hi puppy. Uh, making your, making your own choices. And the only person that you need to be better than today is the person you were yesterday. Yeah. So sorry for both of it. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> thank well, you. Thank you so it's, much. It's coming from time. the heart, Rocky. And thank you. Thank, I, I don't have enough thank yous in my body. There aren't words in the English language to describe how grateful I am that you are who you are and that you do what you do. And, you know, if if I could give you the most valuable and not even just trainer, but, you know, most valuable mentor award, that's what you get for me. Because all I can do to give back to you is take everything that you've given to me and and apply it and pass it on and and let my passion grow so my appreciation for you is endless that right there is more than enough thank you thank you for taking the time out of your day to tune in to mind body gym a conversational podcast this podcast was designed with the mission to fund women's freedom via fitness special shout out to our strong supporters especially the love you give project check out their merch it helps us support our podcast and our feature organization, Fit to Navigate. If you're interested in hearing more about our mission, follow us on IG at Fit to Navigate. Thank you for the fam that we have that has supported us. Eric Jefferson for the artwork, his wife, my sister songstress, Renee Dion, and her tunes, Wilderness, and Natalie McCray Cross, the photographer for our album cover. We really appreciate all the support and all the strength that we get from you. Remember, until next time, forward is always the pace. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard today, make sure to like and review this podcast. Also, make sure to share this episode. Lastly, subscribe so you'll be notified of our next episode. Thank you and have a blessed day. What's up, Mind Body Gemmers? I would like to hear more from you. So I'd like for you to text me at 614-808-8566. I'd like to collaborate more about what our listeners would like to hear more of from our guests and just hear what you think about the podcast. Again, text me 614-808-8566. Let's do this thing. Did you know 90% of women prior to incarceration has suffered from sexual and emotional trauma and 70% of incarcerated women are mothers the majority of the women returning home will not be able to retain employment with family sustainable income. Fit to Navigate provides hope and well-being. Learn more at fittonavigate.com.